Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy flight games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. And before we start this episode, I have an important announcement that I've been pretty excited to share. My name is Dana. I'm trans, non-binary, and my pronouns are they, them. It's really important for me to share my truth with you all, and I'm really appreciative that MUR and the Arkham community is a pretty safe place filled with pretty awesome people. So, yeah. And I'm Ben. Uh, Still he, am pronouns. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Dan isn't with us today, uh, even though he asked several times whether if we were going to make that announcement or not. Uh, so he could be here, but tragically, he had a, an important date uh, to revisit uh, James Cameron's wonderful world of uh, not, the, cat people. not the last airbender, Avatar. <laughs> Avatar 2, yes. the water world or whatever. Yes. Um, so I'm sure he'll give his commentary on discord about how that went um and we'll catch up with him later but but yeah he (laughs) his support is here in spirit with that aside we're going to be discussing a few maybe hot maybe not ticket items that have surfaced in the last few months about our favorite card game this is mur fall 2022 news yeah so we gotta have like a cool little I'm Dan's not gonna have this episode, and I'm not in charge of doing sound effects, Dane. So there's gonna if you wanna okay. if you uh, it, uh, Dana if you want to you Dana <laughs> yeah I do I do be Dana still still getting used to it as well. If you want to make uh, sound effects with your mouth during the podcast here, you can feel free. But I I don't think I'm gonna have time to edit anything in. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're just kind of catching up on Arkham news. So first up, uh, our beloved Maxine Juniper, or also known as MJ Newman has stepped down from Arkham Horror the Card Game uh, with the release of the Scarlet Keys. She stopped. She, she's been off it for a while because they're always like a, a year or whatever ahead. Um, so she's, she's, she's uh, had to keep up the facade that nothing has changed. But uh, now she is working on a different unknown top secret project at FFG, uh, which she has disclosed no information about. But we're excited to see where what she does next but uh for arkham uh they have announced that duke harris who was on the podcast a few episodes ago uh is taking over as the lead developer or lead designer i don't remember what his exact title is and uh nick corey uh formerly of the mythos busters is now working at ffg i think as of this past summer on arkham so it'll be those two leading the way in darkham's future it's pretty exciting and honestly the the title of the article or when it was announced was very scary <laughs> for a minute <laughs> and then they were like but don't worry this game is going to be in good hands because i could i could just feel harrison like running out into the streets <laughs> and and you know saying the end was nigh or whatever but it didn't happen because we're pretty excited about duke as ben said he's been on the cast and he's fantastic designed some of the best scenarios in arkham to date and uh nick designer of excelsior yeah he did hotel right i guess that was his <clears throat> official debut yeah. 
and I'm, the Mythos Busters have their own uh, custom scenario that I believe he worked on too, the consternation on the constellation. That's close. Yes. It's, it's a tongue twister what title. And, um, <laughs> yes. uh, but both of them are good. I mean, yeah. Excelsior is held high as one of the best standalones, right? Yeah. By many, many people. Yes. So we're I'm excited. De- I'm definitely excited to see what they do with it. At least Duke has been working on whatever the next campaign is uh, for a while, I assume. And I think I'm sure Nick jumped in on that process, although I don't know. Yeah, you know, they never they never say you know what the timelines of stuff are. So I don't know if he'll how much of his influence will actually be in the next campaign, or or if it's like a mix. Because I think Scarlet Keys had like Jeremy worked on it, uh, MJ worked on yeah. it, Duke worked on it, one other person worked on it, whose name is escaping me. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, Maxine it, said that it was like her child though. Still, like yeah, that's yeah, her, she like... she was still lead of Scarlet Keys. I just yeah, like, I'm saying that they're. I think I'm kind of expecting the next campaign might be. Duke and, Duke and Nick, but they also might, like, we might get a little bit of Jeremy. We might get a couple other people from FG might chime in there with cards or scenarios and stuff. So I'm definitely excited to see where the game goes. Uh, it's not dead yet. We haven't seen Cthulhu yet as the main bad guy. So I think we're, <laughs> that's, that's like the seventh signal of the end of the campaign or whatever on Harrison's <laughs> yep. chart, you know, right? Yes. So, or his bingo card. <laughs> yeah. He's got, like, cork boards in a room everywhere, and he's, like, running around like Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> preaching the end is nigh yeah so yeah um uh hot off the heels of mj's announcement uh she did an ask me anything on reddit and there was a couple tidbits that i think you wanted to talk about dana yeah so there were a couple there were, there were a lot of really interesting things and highly recommend going to reddit and checking that out first of all but we pulled out just a few things to talk about i mean mj leaving the game means that well, it means a bunch of different things, right? Like, the way that the game has evolved is purely MJ's vision from this point, or from, I guess, at this point anyway. Uh, so, like, one of the questions that we pulled aside was about color pie and class identities. That's something that's always fascinated us, and it's changed drastically throughout the development of Arkham um, in terms of what each class can do. And one thing that was laid bare, MJ responded to... Uh, her philosophies on color pie and class identities. She basically said that each class should be able to do anything so long as it makes sense thematically. And I feel like we're very much at a point where that makes sense, right? Like every single class has some way to pick up some clues, fight some things. Even if you're a seeker, you can fight some stuff. Even if you're a guardian, you can pick up some clues. Rogues, mystics, and survivors can kind of just do anything, but it really needs to be flavorful in some way, right? So that is like first the first philosophy that she had outlined. And the second one was just that when it comes to deck building, the investigators are sort of driving that aspect of it, not necessarily the classes themselves. So it's not like because they slot like Amina into being a mystic that she needs to have only mystic or that they're designing it based on that. They're more designing it based on like, well, what would make sense for this person's personality and what would make sense for like how she interacts with the cards and things like that. So I think that that was really cool and and pretty insightful in terms of like, now that we're handing this off to Duke and Nick, anything could happen. (laughs) But I think that those philosophies are going to pretty much remain true. uh, And I'm pretty confident that Duke is going to, Duke and Nick are going to do great things. Yeah, because Duke, Duke basically was like a mentor, <clears throat> e mentoree of of mentee, MJ yeah. mentee <laughs> of Minty. Uh, 
of MJ for a while, although I think he has he experiences some other areas too. So I imagine some of that philosophy will have rubbed off there. I don't actually know what background Nick had in in game design, if any, uh, before Arkham, other than obviously he was on Mythos Busters, and I believe he was on the podcast before that for uh, Lord of the Rings. Is that what they did before? Yeah. So yeah, just experience with the DM. Anyway, okay. So he's his experience <laughs> storytelling and stuff. He's got cred. He's got yeah. street cred. I, I, I guess I'm not trying to discredit him. I just was <laughs> trying to get where where he's coming from. Experience, maybe. So, but uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, Maxine confirmed, which is something that's far more relevant in your circle, Ben, Ooh. of folks who care about the game, uh, that the rules that give the most trouble in the game, <laughs> which I thought would be funny to point out. Are the ones, uh, and I quote, are the ones in which a word or phrase is given specific name meaning beyond its common use in language, oh, such yeah. as then or must. And I think also along the same line, as if, given the tome of Luke rulings, right? right? Like all of these things are things that you can sort of like feel slimy sometimes to use, right? Like especially like must. If it doesn't say must, you don't mm. have to do one or the other or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I think she's like mostly happy with the rule set, and she was saying there, I was like, yeah, one or two things, maybe, maybe must, or maybe did she? I think she mentioned pray only, if I remember the her response. That's right. Yeah, pray was uh, another one she talked yeah. about too. But you know, for the most part, it works. Um, you know, it's always better to try to get those nitty gritty things out of a game so that people can jump in more easily and whatnot. So I imagine if Arkham was ever revised uh, for like a second edition card game, that's that's the type of stuff that would get cleaned up. Yeah, I know that Maxine also had voiced that, like, one of the sets from the Midnight Masks is also something that she sort of regretted not having being its own set, which is the Hunting oh, Shadow yeah. plus Drop a Bunch of Clues Treacheries. I can't remember. Basically, the, the, them, the, yeah. the specific to Midnight Masks treacheries get reused <laughs> yeah. a lot in in every campaign like i think yep. some some subset of them go use and some of the locations even too so it makes it a little weird when it's like oh um you need these cards but only you need this set but only these cards from that set or whatever but you know those yeah. are things you learn yeah. uh, over the course of the game and and i think they clean that up a lot and you know it's it's all right <laughs> so yeah yeah it's it's all it's all gravy now and so i mean last and the most important uh, point that I wanted to point out was that a bunch of people asked uh, MJ what her favorite card game is, uh, aside from things that she's worked on, <laughs> and she had confirmed that it is Netrunner. So mm. everybody can rejoice that she has fantastic, you know, well, taste. Well, but in, to be fair, she's worked on a lot <laughs> of games at FFG, so that that restriction on the question might have made it so the only option was Netrunner. <laughs> So I I don't know if we could actually read anything into that because I I saw I hadn't realized it but I, damn it Ben I knew she had worked on Lord of the Rings but I think she's also designed a couple like Marvel oh yeah Marvel stuff character packs you're right, you're right. yeah she, I, I think she said I think I saw she worked on Black Widow and like Spider yep. I assume it's pronounced I'm not familiar with the, 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 what's currently in the bar, the Marvel <laughs> game forward slash forward slash I I'm not familiar with that character at all <laughs> I meant to look it up Me before we started recording so I wouldn't uh, sound completely <laughs> ignorant there uh, i assume it's some type of spider-man uh, spider-verse type of character uh and it's like a weird spider spelling but anyway yeah so, so the point still stands i think it was not run by default um so hooray hooray uh, <laughs> so yeah we encourage you guys to check out that reddit uh ask me anything i think you can just find it on the arkham horror lcg reddit um 
we might have linked it on our Discord at some point too. I think I did when when questions were actually going up. She talks a bit about the game. She also talks a bit about like publicly transitioning and some other more personal personal stuff. So it's interesting interesting yeah. insights there. Uh, so the next thing I was going to talk about is uh, there was an actual article about Arkham Horror the Card Game in like a an actual uh, newspaper esque website, uh, which mm-hmm. I was a little surprised about. Um, that was talking about it's on wbur.com, which is like uh, or excuse me dot org, which is uh, it's like a Boston website I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But they talked to MJ and uh, Katrina Ostrander, who's like creative story director at i thought they were on at ffg but the article says they're at asmoday so i could be mistaken there they i might thought, like have to say that i maybe i, I thought they were like <laughs> the the story director for like arkham stuff but maybe i'm misremembering or that was like f- three years ago and they've changed positions <laughs> so <laughs> but anyway terrifying interviews. <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> but yeah just this article is they were, they were kind of talking about how they ad- have adapted the HP Lovecraft uh, mythos um, to kind of be more modern in that, you know, they get rid of a lot of the horrible racism and horrible uh, no chance to survive the darkness type stuff. Xenophobia, all that sort of stuff. Yes, that was the word I was, try- that was, the word I was trying to pull out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, they kind of talk about how like the history of Arkham does have some issues that they're trying to work through and, and trying to improve on. Like uh, like some of the characters in the IP even are like kind of stereotypes, so they're trying to move past that. Like there's there's a couple like black magic people stereotypes um, that they're trying to get rid of, like Jim and um, Akachi. Akachi, yeah. So and yeah, like, you know, totally. One, one of the only Asian characters is like a martial artist. So, but they're trying to move past it. Like we have Amina now, and MJ just talks about how it's like, oh, we have a you know a Muslim woman from Algeria. Uh, it's not an experience I have lived, but it's it, she. She talked to people to try to get an idea of how to inspire the character and how to to treat them well. And, and they also talk about like unfathomable brought in a lot of new uh, perspectives there uh, to the mythos. That's right. So. Yeah, that was a pretty diverse cast of folks too. Mm-hmm. And uh, from backgrounds we haven't seen quite yet. And I think the the fantastic part is that like there is research being done. You know, it's not just like some person's far uh envisioned view of what this looks like like representation comes in every way and it's really cool to see that be in our game like kind of speaking as somebody who's coming from the inside and maybe you have more experience just like understanding eldritch horror and understanding you know all the games that came before it and the evolution of like we started with characters like roland and joe who are very much like typical investigators like straight white dudes and having that like push into more diverse realms and push out that racism and push out that stuff is because that's sort of like a barrier for some people, right? Mm. Like if you're teaching the game and it's just a bunch of like Rollins and Joes, like how, how, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like how is somebody from a different background supposed to relate and be excited about that, right? So it's really exciting to me that I get to present this to new friends uh who are like what's this game i don't know when i think of lovecraft i think of unfortunately those sorts of things and then you know i introduced them to this game and they're like wow (laughs) i can relate to this it's really exciting to see even like for me specifically that there's uh you know somebody who's non-binary now and has they them pronouns really cool i'm really excited about it so yeah yeah it's really great to have the options there and, and to have uh just the variety so different folks can come in and be like oh here there's someone that represents me 
and can pull them into the game right it's not just a bunch of a white straight white guys this straight white guys <laughs> in their 40s or whatever yes. so um, yeah yeah so excited to see that we'll see more of that i'm sure because i think the last like i feel like i forget if it's six or seven characters that haven't been added to the game that are in the existing ip i'm pretty sure like four of them are like old white guys and like two of them are like old white <laughs> ladies so i'm expecting they'll uh we'll see a lot more new characters added to help diversify and also extend the life of the game um yeah, harrison has on his bingo sheet i'm sure like run out of run out of existing <laughs> ip characters or something so right so right yeah. Uh, yeah he's got his ear to the ground for those kinds of things so speaking of new arkham products uh nothing about the next campaign has been announced but we do have the release of the Forgotten Age, so if you haven't picked that up yet, um, you know, picked it up in the original cycle, it's uh, there to get now in the nice two-box format. Um, if you're ready to, to suffer through the the battle against the snakes, you know, it's still it's, still, it's definitely like a a big step up in like what you can experience in Arkham, where it's you know it's a little bit more <laughs> punishing. You get maybe you might experience loss a little bit more the first time you come through if you're running through the card game uh, or the cards as they come out. Uh, but uh, you know. Mm. We we came around to it. At least you and me did. I, I think Dan still doesn't like the front page, but <laughs> Dan, yeah. the the first scenario is yeah, pretty punishing. Yeah. But but uh, you know I like, I like it. It has like the fun branching storylines based on your decisions, oh, yeah. and it has like a couple different endings that that change a bit. So um, yeah, I've been but... keeping an eye out for like news about like people being like, has anybody played the Forgotten Age? Man, it's hard. <laughs> you know those kinds of things because there was definitely a wave of that when it first came out. Yeah. And it was definitely extended because of the fact that we were doing Mythos packs. So I'm curious to see if there's just going to be this like bombastic like crowd of folks who are like, what is this and how do we deal with it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how like popular the repackagings are, like if they're bringing in a lot of new people or not. Uh, I hope they yeah. are. Um, I assume they're, you know, they're on the, the third cycle of doing it. So I assume they're selling. But yeah. I mean, people play, playing those might also be playing uh you know edge of the earth or scarlet keys mixed in there as well so like their sure. order of experiencing the campaigns will be different than us who experienced it yeah as they release yeah and, like, the card pulls will be different and stuff so it's definitely interesting yeah, also have the starter deck, right? right oh yeah the starter decks too yeah so like it's definitely different <laughs> yeah. in that capacity like that just the bigger card pool or different experiences will i think factor in a lot totally. it'll be it'll be cool yeah i'm excited to hear uh what people think of it on this release uh, additionally uh fortune and folly is a new standalone uh was released hey. or announced to be released it was available at game center and arkham knights um through the games on our website i don't know if the official oh, yeah, yeah. i don't remember what the date for the official pack was it might not be till early next year but yeah we talk about that in the in our arkham knights episode a little bit but um it's a fun, fun pair of, it's like it's like kind of like a two-part scenario like edge of the earth one scenario is actually two parts so yeah yeah but it's a good time so it's good fun. and it was designed by another one of the mythos busters right yes it was <laughs> yeah yeah i want to so say that's... it was i want to say it was ian but no, they did a great job uh, i i loved yeah. it when i played through it and i'm confident that anybody who is a fan of like heisty type movies would like it right like oceans 11 type stuff so they did a really good job with that uh yeah i think that's it for new new product news and mj news a little edit here. Dana and I forgot to talk about it, but obviously the Scarlet Keys investigator expansion and campaign expansion also came out over the last couple of months. But we're going to be talking about those in future episodes in depth. Anyway, there was an FAQ and Taboo list released. It was back in August. We just haven't had a chance to talk about it. Um, so I was just going to try to blast through 
some of the more interesting uh, FAQs, <laughs> and then we'll talk about the taboo, and because there were a couple of big changes there. Yeah, I mean, in the spirit of trying to progress the game more, uh, one of the things they did, they changed the text in a lot of scenarios, including in Carcosa, where they updated the oh, like, the lunatic keyword or references to like yeah. the people being crazy to to be possessed instead, because it was it was actually Hester. Like, uh oh, take a take a mental. <laughs> take a horror uh it was uh, it was the big spook um that was, was like possessing and controlling them and stuff too so it's good right. to move away from that stereotype because in that in that campaign the that was a little bit problematic that was like oh crazy people are so these crazy people are, are bad and evil and it's you know they're they have more of an illness yeah. or a spooky thing in their head whispering stuff so yeah it yeah. was a needed update there uh, a couple of random scenarios got updates to like uh, clarifying text. I didn't want to list them out, but check them out uh, as you play through a campaign to see what's there. They retroactively added the research keyword to all of the secret quest cards, which is yeah. I was a little confused why this was actually in here as an errata because it doesn't change the the mechanically at all. But maybe in the future there will be cards that like specifically say researched on them, and that's that needs to. I think that's that way. what it's for. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's specifically so that they can reference it on different mm. things. Yeah, in the future. Yeah, like uh, what is it? Shrewd analysis or what's the what's the secret card that makes it so you get yep. you can get two of them for the cost of one upgrade? It's true analysis. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. maybe like maybe a future card like in that in that vein. Uh, a big one was they defined limbo. Which is the state of where cards, where it's where cards exist while they're being resolved, like while an event is being resolved, or while treachery is being resolved, oh. or while a skill is committed to a test. Um, it's basically like an out of play area where the cards cards chill out for the duration of the resolution, and it had to be codified because there was there was always constant question of like okay, is this event that I'm currently resolving in play or is this skill in play or whatnot? Um, oh, cool. So this kind, of finally, this kind of finally cemented it there. And yeah, it's basically like mm -hmm. a not in play area. It's not in your hand. It's not in play. Effects, its <laughs> effects can, can affect the game state, even though it's not in play. And then once it's fully resolved, it goes into the discard pile or whatever. Notably, sure. there was a note a little bit later in the FAQ that Diana's ability can still interact with them even though they're not in play. Uh, so that's because Diana's a boss. Yeah, well, because otherwise her ability basically wouldn't work because because like right, that it, too, it that replaces too. like the discard <laughs> effect. So um, yeah, it seemed like a pretty clean definition. I think that's like it's something that I probably I would say a good amount of people. It's probably how they played it, but I'm sure there were folks that tried to play it a different way and it led to some confusion. So I wonder if there's going to be like investigators based off of Limbo. I no, would say fine. no. I would say that's very. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. That's um, pretty obtuse. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, a lot of the rule clarifications in the FAQ are like weird obtuse interactions that they like have to clarify, but I don't sure. think they actually. They usually don't show up on cards later. So, <laughs> fair. I, I eat my words when you know Hank Sampson is like based on the state of limbo because he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't understand the rule mechanics. So like all of his cards are always in limbo or something. Um, <laughs> The next thing was the shifting slots. This one was really weird when it came out because this was this FAQ count before the Scarlet Keys. And the deal with this is like when you play a card, if it like can go in two different slots because you have something that like lets you treat your arcane slots as uh as accessory slots or something. There's a card like that. You have to pick what slot it's in. And I think it's basically so you can't like dynamically mm -hmm, right. shift your slots around because there's a lot of cards in Scarlet Keys that are like, oh, if your arcane slots are filled, you get some bonus. Or if your arcane slots are are filled, you get some penalty or whatever. So it like prevents right. you from yeah, shifting yeah. them around. But it is like a little bit more bookkeeping to just like, oh, I played this card. Did I put it in my arcane slot or whatever? And anytime you play a new card, you can also move everything around. So it's it's, it's a little weird, I think, to add this. But I guess it was. I, I'm sure someone in playtesting was was doing some nonsense where 
they were min-maxing yeah, every that. slot positions. They're like, oh no, that, yeah. that was actually wearing that on my head. I wasn't holding it in my hand. You know, took it <laughs> off, you know, so. Yeah, um, either that or like MJ's fixation with Resident Evil was particularly there at the time and she wanted a way to move your inventory around like you can in resident evil <laughs> in a way in arkham uh yeah we'll maybe, yeah maybe i don't know i don't actually i don't even know if mj was probably consulted on this faq but she when the, mm-hmm. when this came out she wouldn't have been working on arkham anymore but obviously she's in the same building or slash slack chat or whatever however however yeah. we do that so yeah so this might have been more the newer rules team trying to clean some stuff up there too so i don't know mm-hmm. Um, there was something about attachments, which I didn't care about mentioning, uh, <laughs> something about how they move, move between each other. But uh, a big one was searching during a setup. Uh, I guess it has been clarified that you can't trigger reaction abilities like Mandy's reaction ability or research cards when you search during setup, which has some implications for, cause there were a couple like oh, no. scenarios, there was a couple scenarios where like her search would be triggered or you would have to like search her deck for something so she can't trigger it there. Mm-hmm. It also disables like some niche combos like uh stick to the plan which searches your deck so if you have if you're playing like oh, roland no. or something you can't trigger a research card yeah, um, no that was the cool thing to do yeah all the cool kids knew how to do that so you know it seems like mostly a mandy targeted nerf which we'll talk a little bit more about mandy being nerfed later um <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah, yeah it's just an interesting one and, and this one was actually sort of expanded on uh through the ffg rules question responses which is like a just like a prelude to actually getting the ffg document where they clarify that other things other abilities can't resolve during the setup as well because the game hasn't begun yet like daryl's kodiak and Mm -hmm. tony's bounty contracts those can't trigger during setup okay that's Um, good to know i played tony (laughs) which i think there might have also been some other repercussions from that particular ruling because of the wording uh i've forgotten what they were um but like there's some other things that like are supposed to trigger during setup like on encounter cards or stuff that Maybe that's not supposed to work, but I think mm-hmm. in my mind, I'll just apply it to player cards and probably won't break anything. <laughs> Fair. Yes, yeah, so that was the uh, first section of FAQ. The next one was kind of just talk. There was just some term clarifications. I don't know. This, this is a bunch of stuff that they, I guess they had to put it down. Like look, search and find. Those are all different things. So like when Gloria looks oh, at something, right. it's not the same as when Mandy searches something and different cards reference those different things. Um, drawing a card is different than adding a card to your hand. They're not the same thing. Yeah. Encounter card and scenario cards, those are the same thing. They always have been. <laughs> so whenever something references a scenario or encounter card, oh. it's just talking about any non-player card. I can <laughs> see your surprise by this. I, I think well, I've, I've had I've had to mention it like every single campaign I play. I'm like, yeah, it's, these are actually all the same thing. <laughs> they have two terms for the same set of things. <laughs> but Weird. Because there's that one um, seeker event, or no, not seeker event, seeker skill card. That's like, you can only commit this to something on a scenario card. And it's mm. like, well, what is a scenario card? And it's everything it's... that's not a player card. Sure. Makes sense. <laughs> but I think in the original rule book, like there was some confusion where it, like mentioned scenario cards were like some subset of non-player cards. And it mentioned encounter cards were like stuff that came on the encounter deck. But then somewhere else it says these are the same thing. So, it was, and I think this is just <laughs> more clarifying it. Or maybe MJ said it like right, early on, but um sure. there's a fun sort of math thing here which is the farthest from all investigators is the highest combined distance location so like if you have three investigators wow. in the game and they're all two away from a location that's a total of six distance but if you have three investigators but there is another location that say there are two investigators are one away from and one investigator is three away from that's a five so you would pick the two away from all of them i see i feel like you've blown, I've blown your mind with this math <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is important right it, it like, is there are so 
so many things where it's like put this into play furthest location from all investor like tony's Ari, for example right, right? like and that is See. that is actually relevant because up until this point it was just like you can choose if it, if everybody's got a location to away from them you can choose right yeah it was, like it, it was a little Maybe bit of guesswork i think this narrows it down a little yeah. bit i think there, it's still definitely possible to have like you know a couple of valid locations but this is just uh, makes you do a little bit more math on that so um they clarified the word different what different cards means uh when something says a different card it means a card with a different title so like if you have an effect um like if you have oh, I, I forget the interaction is harrison was very upset when i explained this to him <laughs> where like what's the asset that like lets you trigger another asset's ability or something it's um uh sign magic yes three. yeah sign magic that's, so that's specifically for this yeah like it says you have to pick a different uh, a trigger an effect on a different card oh, or something. Asset. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work here. You couldn't use it to trigger, was it, it like chains into one other effect that changes into another effect? The point right. is, those are considered the same card from resolving effects. So you couldn't like trigger. Yeah. If you, if you had a card that said trigger two different act actions on arcane slots or something, you couldn't trigger sign magic twice. So you couldn't tr trigger right is seeking twice or something um yeah, yeah yeah i think the specific interaction with that one was like when you trigger a spell asset you can exhaust sign magic to fast trigger a different spell asset so people were thinking oh if i have two clairvoyance out i can activate the first clairvoyance use sign magic to activate the second one mm -hmm. or like you know whatever and that doesn't work right now yeah that good that work, it's been so. terrified but it's also sad because yeah. i like that interaction and notably, it doesn't apply to locations. All locations, even if they have the same name, are different. So, oh. I don't, you know, it's just player cards. <laughs> yes. Player cards, same name, different subtitles does not make the cards different as well. So if you have like two different strange solutions or something, uh, two different subtitles, they're still the same. Taking an action versus performing an action. I think this one's been a little, I've seen this a lot in rules responses, but when you take an action, if a card lets you take an action like Ursula's ability, uh, you are gaining an extra extra action effectively, which means all rules that apply to gaining an extra action apply. So you might trigger an AOO. You can trigger effects that trigger off of getting extra actions or whatever. Um, you have to pay the costs, etc. It counts as an action for like payday or whatever. But if you are told to just perform an action or resolve an action that you have not gained an action or spent an action, but you are just resolving the effects of the action. I forgot to write down an example for that. But if, if something like says uh, you may perform a fight action, then you could say, oh, I'm going to use my machete, but I don't have to spend the action cost and I'll attack. Or like, oh, I'm going to, you may, you may move or something. You may perform a move action or something. That means you don't actually, are, you're not actually doing a move, but you, so you can move without provoking or something oh, okay. so I, that just kind of clarified those terms okay. um and then uh let's see for each and for every so this clarified that when something triggers with these terms and they can be resolved simultaneously you treat it as a single instance of that thing happening so for example if you have uh rotten remains and it says for every take a horror for every point you fail by that and you fail by three that means you take one instance of three horror not three instances of one horror oh cool so i like that yeah so clarification that, that, so that means you don't have to think about like, oh, am I, do I have to discard these? Or like something makes you like discard three cards. You would discard them all at once type of thing. So um, Yeah, and that's also like for Sister Mary and Diana, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why they can use deny existence for their thing. Because yes. like if you have 10 blesses in the bag, then that becomes either 10 curses or 10 horror. And then you it's not like 10 instances or 10 instances of one horror. It's one instance yeah, of it, 10. Yeah, it makes it clear that you can oh. apply cancels or, or reactions off of that one instance and it doesn't 
and at the same time it's not something you can react to like three times or something so wow um and the last thing in the term clarifications here is the silver rule uh so this is if two cards contradict it in a way that's impossible to reconcile with one another the encounter card will take precedence over the player card uh if you're dealing with two player cards or two encounter cards contradicting then the lead investigator can decide so this is sort of a clarification on top of like the gold rule or the grim rule where uh instead of just picking the worst outcome uh when something is in, in conflict or you can't figure it out you can give some precedence or you have a little bit of choice there so i don't think i've encountered yeah. this one yet i think you said that you guys had though in one of your playthroughs yes so big issue with playing paradoxical covenant which says if you draw a bless and a curse at the end of the test, if you fail, you can automatically succeed, or you just automatically succeed, I think. At the, but it specifically says it's at the end of the test, which means that if you draw an auto-fail, you can't rescue that test because the auto-fail overrides the auto-success that would come from Paradoxical Covenant. Paradoxical Covenant is now one of the worst cards I've ever, like, in, in, my, in my deck, and I will throw it into card jail without anybody having to say anything more because of this rule because of the reason that like if you pull an autofail at any time and like unless you can cancel that it just overrides any sort of auto success stuff I mean it yeah that's, so that's generally a case for the autofail and there's yeah i have to refresh myself on the automatic success or failure rules but um there is a way to dodge the autofail i think if you succeed like i think if you succeed before you actually draw tokens then you don't have to worry about it but doesn't really apply here. right yeah i mean yeah. paradoxical covenant i was i don't think a card we've been convinced is is good <laughs> i don't know that, that might be one it was for the cool. uh for a binder trial but we're gonna <laughs> yeah i will i will talk about it again at some point because that was the probably one of the most underwhelming things i've experienced in this game <laughs> but anyway yeah so uh not in the official faq but there were a couple of faq rulings that are of interest uh <laughs> from the the ffg rules questions form ffg has i think a dedicated person to answering rules questions now as opposed to um, i think previously basically mj <laughs> had to do it in her, in her free time so they've been a lot more responsive to getting feedback to some questions but it's usually like fast feedback so sometimes it's not you know they might might overturn a ruling later or something because they might be like oh well I, we talked it over and it's like oh this is actually better so it's not official stuff but the couple ones of interest that I I looked at was Burden of Leadership, which is Charlie's weakness, which uh, I don't think we've... Have we talked about Charlie at all on the cast yet? It's mm, not, not, not really. Oh, oh what? Oh, we... Spotlight. Uh, no, we... Uh, Colin, Colin, Colin played him at Arcanites, and you guys did the Spotlight, so yeah, we have talked about him a couple of times. But yeah, his weakness, yeah. Um, there was some back and forth on it, but basically they, they said at the end, like, they're planning to errata it to add the word must... So that if you you can't just choose to exhaust an already exhausted ally, which you could before because there was no must, you could you could pick an option that doesn't change the game state. But now adding must means right. you do have to change the game state, which makes his weakness actually do something because before it did nothing. <laughs> so so yeah. I mean yeah that, I mean I think that's fine. I uh, I'm sure whenever we do an Arkham investigators of the scarlet keys i think we'll talk a lot, a lot about charlie but he he's he's pretty good uh he's pretty solid so this will maybe curve him a little bit um, yeah and it, that that clarification always feels like you're like getting away with something very wrong like i always feel like very slimy there's a card in um the war of the outer gods hellfire or something which is says you either take two damage or drop two clues, but there's no must clause, so you can just always choose the clues even if you're a fighter. And it's like that just feels so like yeah, 
just like magic rules kind of like <laughs> cheating that, the system that basically is what it is <laughs> that and i think that's why <laughs> that was why mj i think mentioned that like they don't like she doesn't like how must works because it should just yeah. be on, it should just be on all cards basically to have a choice like it should be like right. you have to pick something that picks the changes the game state if you can i mean yeah. i guess it's a it probably initially it was like a way it's like oh we can make this card a little bit less scary if that's an option but right. um I think at this point in the game, it's like, yeah, they should probably all just have must on them. There's there's enough card pulled <laughs> to deal with this stuff now. Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's see the last the last FAQ. I mentioned one earlier about the uh, Dale's Kodiak and Bounty Contracts thing, but the last one was uh, kind of an interesting ruling about what's considered a cost. And we t I think we talked about this in the Arkham Knights episode because Dan was abusing this a lot. But basically. <laughs> uh, if something is in the text box, um, there's the answer, there's the actual wording here. So the question was about knowledge is power and old book of lore and whether you could had to spend the secret if you use knowledge as a power to trigger old book of lore. And the answer was knowledge right. power allows you to ignore the ability costs and the chosen asset, which includes costs printed in the text box, which means you can immediately yeah. play the card you fetch with old book of lore without spending the secret. So this yep. um, this has a lot of repercussions for things that let you dodge costs, but that you can spend charges or secrets or, or ammo or whatever to to boost the effect because it means you don't have to spend that stuff and you can get a lot of free you can get a lot of free juice out of that. Like yeah. res research notes is a recent card that came out that That's has one, yeah. has no cap on how many uh, I forget what the. <laughs> what is it research uh it's uh i think what the think the, re the resource token whatever the resource token is that's on it um evidence oh, evidence. evidence yeah um yeah, yeah. the you can spend any number of evidence to get a number of clues so if you've stacked up a bunch of those and then you play knowledge is power you can get a bunch of clues Just... all at once with that with no cost basically which is <laughs> at a book which one is insane. Test, at any location yeah. no matter the shroud um there's some <laughs> other card combos that works with too that was that was the most recent one i've been exposed to i guess i'm unclear yeah. from this ruling whether like you have to have at least have the evidence to spend or if it's just like oh i don't need to actually spend any of it so like i have no evidence but i'm gonna pick up 10 clues anyway not not clear on that like like oh, okay. like theoretically you would have had to have it to spend to, in order to apply the effect but you don't actually have to spend it right. i don't know this was a ruling that might get overturned because i mean again these are just from the the rules response uh form so you know there, some of them are are just kind of snap snap responses or like glancing at the rules they, they give an answer back and i'm sure they're learning the rules more and more most of those answers that come back though have been pretty pretty concrete and i expect a lot of those to make it into whatever the next faq official doc is so just some inter interesting interactions there uh but that's all i have for the very exciting uh everyone's favorite part of every uh year's uh, podcast segment <laughs> ffq let's talk about taboo <laughs> okay we can do that Oh, I, sports. Uh, well, Peter scored a touchdown in his last game. Uh, no, um, so, um, so yeah, Taboo. So the Tabloos got a big update, which we're always excited about because we, we typically play with Taboo. You know, a reminder with what Taboo is, is like an optional rule set, effectively, where some cards will cost uh, ch change their experience cost. Some will have their effects changed. And there's a couple cards. By a couple, I mean exactly one card that is banned from the game if you play with Taboo. So, um, RIP. Yeah, these are a good way to strongly encourage people to uh, try different builds and like kind of curbs the power down on cards or boosts boosts the power on some cards um, in a kind of a formalized way so you can kind of agree on it. Basically, the only way to make Dan stop playing all the overpowered secret cards. Um, so you know we, we usually <laughs> use it. 
Um, so I guess let's look at the changes. Uh, so Machete has been freed after being on the list for right. since the first Taboo, which was that three or four years ago? That was a long time ago, yeah. I mean, at the finally t- back, baby. I mean, at the time, it was like basically the it was without uh, without challenge and being the best guardian weapon. Oh yeah, um, it was it was ubiquitous. It was just two two copies of Machete in every single deck. And I think that there's still some cards that are that way, but Machete's actually has a downside. <laughs> it it has a downside. I think some of the newer campaigns, it's a little bit harder to deal with its downside. Uh, but there's also yeah. a lot of other options that are like roughly as good with their own downsides you can balance out. So it's not as um, it doesn't have as much of a chokehold, I don't think, right. as, as it would have four or five years ago. Uh, Mr. Rook was on the taboo list for the last iteration. He cost three extra He's experience. Uh, what was it for? It might have been four, actually, yeah. That was four. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now he costs zero, but he's now on the mutated list, uh, which I'll go with the rest of those uh, later. But uh, his ability is now in action instead of being free, mm. which uh, means he's <laughs> going to be in the binder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless there's. I uh, mean, so the big thing for me in, in the taboo list is that I. The, the big thing I don't like, anyway, is when they just say this card is just some amount of experience more right mm-hmm. like if it's like four experience that is like really expensive like that is i mean maybe you know for mandy who loves mr rook obviously it's like she could do her ridiculous bs as long as she has eight, exp- eight experience to spend on him mm-hmm. but like functional erratas like making it an action but it's still open for like people who didn't necessarily abuse mr rook or you know like he was too powerful it just it feels more of like he was too powerful so i'm just gonna throw him out out here until we can figure out what to do with him at 4xp i like that they are doing this more i think that that more things are being mutated less things are being chained because when things are chained it feels bad because <laughs> i don't want to have to spend four experience on something i didn't have to spend eight experience on prior to that yeah i mean I still feel that way about um uh the red card that is ridiculously powerful <laughs> Forget it's what it's called. Scrabber. Drunk then. Yeah. I think the idea with the chained unchained is like it's easy to remember if experience has been adjusted versus the card effect changing. Right. Um and it's yeah. a little bit less yeah. dramatic in, in adding experience. So like they some of these cards that have become mutated were previously chained or unchained. And sometimes changing the effect of the card does does is a bigger that's a bigger swing in power, right? Changing experience just delays or, or maybe accelerates when you can get the card versus right. permanently changing its effect. So it's uh, the scope is different. And I think here, now anybody can take Mr. Rook without spending experience, but he costs an action to use. Does Mandy still want to take him if she has to spend an action to do her search? Maybe. Because she you know, still has to draw two cards for one action. But yeah. you know, that's, that's obviously significantly lower power than doing it for free. Totally, yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll see where he ends up, and maybe they'll change it again, or maybe they'll leave him there because there are other options for seekers um, in the uh, in the ally slots. Uh, two cards got their experience reduced. Uh, Signum Crucius, which is a card I don't remember what it does. I asked you before we started, and you remembered. Uh, I put a link here yeah. so I could remember what it does. Um, after you, you committed to a test, yeah. If you commit it to a it. test that's higher than your diff- base skill level, you can add blessed tokens to the bag. Uh, right. X is the diff- what's the difference between your difficulty and the skill? So it's a way to add blessed yeah. tokens, but it requires higher difficulty tests than your base skill. Um, right. Requires you to be doing blessed tech, and it cost two experience before, and it was only one wild symbol. So 
not super good. There's there's especially right. when there's other ways to add blessed tokens that were cheaper and easier in Survivor. So uh, making yeah. it zero maybe makes it so you consider it for a blessed run if you're playing someone like Calvin doing like a blessed Calvin or something or a blessed yeah, um, Preston. Yeah, um, or or Charlie. Anyone that has low base skills that has access well, to Charlie Survivor. Oh, uh, this is this is the thing. No, Charlie. Charlie Carson, can take it though, right? It's zero to two. Oh, Charlie, Charlie can take it because he's zero to two. Mm, but yeah, Carson. Carson. Or anybody yeah. who has like zero to one things. Yeah, it is it's still, still technically a level two card, right? Yeah, they've never actually changed the level of a card. I don't think, other than maybe like making signature things be not not level zero and having no level. But I think that was just a rule of clarification. Yeah, that is yeah. a little weird there when they downgrade the power or downgrade the experience. But so maybe it'll see more play um, in Blessed X. Uh, I definitely never used it before, so maybe I'll think about it <laughs> next time we do Blessed. Although I'm pretty blessed out. I've done a lot of Blessed X um, the last couple of campaigns. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe in a couple of years when we get back to Bless. The other card was Right of uh, Equilibrium, which lets you add curse tokens or to the bag based on how many blessed tokens there are or remove curse and blessed tokens uh from the bag to heal yourself this was five experience oh my god so so okay so the 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 second effect is more powerful than just yourself it's any cards that you're looking okay so which can be pretty powerful right and and this is like the surest quickest way to add 10 blesses to the bag because you can just add add 10 curses to add 10 blesses and then you're like oh yeah i've got all the blesses right and i could do a hollowed or i could do the shirt card silas shirt card i forget the name of well, but those we, those cards were all nerfed uh the last right. time weren't they Me. so yep yeah i mean I, this was five experience it's a lot uh it is a it is a way to get a lot of tokens in the bag or do a bunch of healing but neither one of those things directly help you win the game uh right they're all they're all set up th- they're they're like protecting yourself from if you're low which you maybe don't even get low um or buffing yourself to do future bless or curse nonsense uh, and for five right. experience that was that was a lot like there's other ways to put, there's other ways to put tokens in the bag there's other ways to heal that are yeah. less experience totally. or, or easier to set up so maybe this will make it more palatable at three but again it doesn't uh you know it's still a level five mystic so only people that have zero to five mystic can access it so right um which again still makes it limited i kind of agree maybe maybe they should change chained and unchained to actually change the level of the card and maybe they probably have to change the wording a little bit differently but that maybe that would make more sense i don't know i feel like changing unchained maybe to like because the Mm. the whole point of it is to buff it in a way and i feel like if you have something like signum crucis where it's like maybe the 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 analytics were just that it's not getting played at all right so like why not allow that to be level whatever it's downgraded to so that other people can play it yeah because like if you're doing something like uh well maybe we're gonna be talking about chain things in a second but like if you're chaining something the intent is more to like make it getting it later right yeah that's the idea rather than reducing accessibility because if you if you chain a level two thing suddenly there's a lot of different investigators who can't play it anymore who Mm -hmm. might have enjoyed playing it or you know players who would be pretty upset about that so yeah yeah Uh, maybe we'll tinker with in the future um i guess we'll see but yeah let's talk about a couple cards that did get chained several allies including some of our favorites Mm -hmm. mr david renfield plus three experience uh i mean mr david was really he's really good you get a lot of money from him uh there's also i under so a lot of the cards in the scarlet keys add extra ways to do doom nonsense manipulating it or making it less scary mm-hmm. um or spiking up and down more so i i'm sure there are ways to make it so 
he just gave you money. There's that other the other ally that like makes you lets you ignore one doom on a card oh, that's like attaches to her. Yeah. Like that's just one combo. You could attach him to her and just put one doom on him and then just gain extra money every <laughs> turn, right? Once that's set up. So uh, I imagine they during playtesting with the Scarlet Keys cards, they saw some some nonsense with him and felt he needed the buff. And it, I'm not I mean I'm sad about it, obviously, because he was one of the good mystic allies for level zero, but it makes makes sense. One of the OGs. Yeah, I, I think like this is the sort of line where it feels bad. Maybe it's not as bad as 4XP. If it was 4XP, it's like they clearly don't want me to have this. Mm. 3XP is like, okay, maybe like Amina or uh, Marie still might take him because he's, you know, got fast doom on him, right? Mm. But uh, I haven't played him since. I haven't even considered him since. Yeah. So basically like Arcane Initiate all the way now for Mystic decks anyways. I mean, I might pick him up late game. Uh, like the plus one will is nice on some of the lower will uh, guys. I, yeah. I, at, at time of recording, I still haven't really played Amina outside of um, one standalone. <laughs> so I, I haven't yeah. really got a good good vibe for her yet, but maybe she'll still want to pull him in to get some Doom manipulation. I mean, she gets a lot of free, like putting Doom down um, and getting benefits. Like a lot of the cards in Scarlet Keys are like, have a benefit for having a Doom on them and then like can clear themselves and whatnot. So I don't know. Totally. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sad. Sad to see see that this burden put upon such a great man as David Renfield. But uh, <laughs> speaking of other great men, Jeremiah Kirby plus two experience. Um, you know, I okay with that. <laughs> it's okay. I think I think with Jeremiah at least uh, I didn't use him too much, but Dan used him a lot, and he would usually like use him early on, and then replace him with a better, higher experience ally. So. Sure. And because if he costs two now, now you don't put him in at level zero, you get you lose a lot of the benefit from like making your whole deck all even cards or whatnot, because you're now you're just kind of hurting yeah. yourself with no no possible benefit until you get experience. So it's yeah, it deters you from trying that out a little bit more. But I think MJ, I assume somebody had to point out that like you could just put all the even cards in there. <laughs> <laughs> and just draw five <laughs> cards every time so that that's an absurd yeah. amount of cards to draw at four level it's, zero card it's right really fun, so, though. i mean like but i think that two experiences is not bad right like yeah. two experiences i can still make a deck around this and maybe i won't have it for the first scenario but i'll definitely have it for the second scenario and be able to like play I guess, seven more scenarios right i guess it makes you commit more to it right as i said exactly. dan liked yeah, to like yeah. start with it and then filter it out but now it's like okay this i'm gonna make an odd deck or an even deck and i'm going to be committed to that because i'm going to put jeremy in there next scenario and then now i've spent experience to to be in this state so i want to keep that up so yeah. maybe that encourages that more high level deck building that use that archetype which you know that that's always good we always like to see cards that kind of carve a niche in, in deck building yeah the last last guy that got or last person that got chained is janae Beauregard. she was level three and now she is five yeah plus two experience experience why why uh, did she get two extra experience i think like her ability to swap enemies oh yes yeah, it's, the enemy. Worse, it's like, definitely the enemy part location, you can move an enemy out of that location yeah. thus not having to deal with it at all and that's like really powerful <laughs> really really powerful yeah or you can like, move a clue from an adjacent location to you or something there's just a lot I mean, of different the moving the clue part i don't I don't know if that by itself is as powerful. Um, there are definitely right. lots of card effects that like trigger off of having a clue at your location, or like you mm -hmm. passively get a clue by doing something else. So that's that right. can be very strong. The moving the enemy, I think, is that's probably, the big thing. Probably like breaks a lot more scenarios. Maybe not breaks yeah. them, but like it's not elite, right? It's not elite, so it, it, I guess it doesn't break them. But it, I think there's definitely some scenarios the where 
Yeah, because yeah. there wasn't really any ways to move. Were there ways to move non-elite enemies before, like, the recent couple, like, before Edge of the Earth? Were there cards that let you move them? There were, but it's kind of hard to do it. There's, like, um, events, like, there's a Seeker event, or not a Seeker event, a Survivor event that if you evade and then if it's successful, you move an enemy to a connecting location rather than just evading them. Hmm. Or okay. in addition to evading them, you move them to a separate thing. There's also um, there were more... the first evade card. The It's a spell asset that if you draw a curse, you can move an enemy away, I think, a yeah. location away, and then you can also move. But it's really hard to do, and they're not. it's not generally a huge effect because the tax to get those cards in your deck is like, well, now I have these cards in my deck that do this one specific thing. But since Janae also gives you an intellect, mm. also gives you an ability, also gives you the whole clue thing, and can do this, pretty, really strong. <laughs> and, and she's and she's multi-class, right? She's Seeker and Rogue. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree that that all that together is very strong. So I think I think this makes sense. It might be harder to you have to really invest in her if you want the five because five she's experience is a lot. I mean, she's also five That's to play. She's, she's also five costs to play, which is a lot. But I mean, I guess. <laughs> but she's seekers and rogues. Uh, I mean, right. they have they have they have access to money cards rogues a bit more than seeker but yeah um seekers can be pretty yeah. rich so yeah that's pretty reasonable then yeah so why don't we move on to the mutated cards so there was a couple interesting ones here um i guess i'll, I'll start with the boring ones um so ritual candles uh jewel of oh i don't know how to say jewel of all are 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 we lewis or you gotta, you gotta guess <laughs> are you lewis i don't all right i, I it's been well established i can barely read so uh and, and or, yeah and voice of raw now i'll just say a symbol on them instead of the specific spooky symbol list before so it unlocks like bless and curse and frost and any future tokens to also work with these cards which is good um yeah i think colin was using voice of raw in our arkham game uh where we were also doing bless stuff so he was like they actually triggered more than three money like most of the time so which was fun oh it's real yeah. good yeah. <laughs> after this was announced i did a uh, cursed carcosa run and i should say the next couple mutations maybe we can just say so prophecy is now yeah. a non-elf yeah and our spell is also a non-auto fail right. so really just opening up that symbol access to bless curses frost stuff yeah. is super fun like all of these cards it felt like that was the intent anyway and in, specifically in cursed and blessed runs is where i had the experience i really wanted to run ritual candles really wanted to run roast of raw voice of raw was just like one click for nine dollars generally or seven dollars <laughs> or something and then ritual candles was just like bonkers good in terms of like negating curses because if you have two out every curse is just a zero now yeah <laughs> And then you're also triggering other things, so it, it's really fun. Because, yeah, because you can kind of control how many Blessed and Cursed tokens in the bag, it gives a lot more power to these cards because right. you can make their effects trigger more often. Yeah, which totally which makes them way more reliable and interesting i think so uh definitely i, I do yeah. i mean i said it was a boring change it's boring as in like the word <laughs> how it changes the cards i guess but it makes them a lot more powerful so yes. um yeah, we, we like that strange solution acidic erker our beloved Yay. our beloved melteroni that I, yeah. I don't think we've used in years has been nerfed it now only does plus one damage instead of plus two which completely appropriate for a secret card <laughs> <laughs> that, doesn't, really okay. that, that doesn't take a slot and it's super cheap but uh yeah that was, that was long overdue um 
Yeah. So uh, we, we we were kind of thinking that, right? We were yeah. thinking that already. We were like, man, this this card is it, real dumb. It was it probably being rotted. It was definitely way too good. I, I feel like this may have been a little bit too late because we've reached the point where we don't use it anymore. But I guess that came out in uh, Dunwich, which was re-released earlier this year. So maybe it maybe right. more people were finding it and be like, oh, this does a lot of damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably at a six I mean, six fight pretty pretty good so uh no complaints there it's totally reasonable flute of the outer gods is now limit one per deck instead of exceptional what does this card do right. i don't remember uh you seal curses on it. curses on it and you can release them to move an enemy uh to right. a technical location or deal its damage to another enemy that's okay, interesting so a little team and then they walk away so you can still only have one at a time but it's basically effectively half the experience cost and before it was it was eight experience costs so now it's four <laughs> um yeah i would uh, i would never buy this for eight interesting that they made never. interesting that they made this card that lets you move enemies easier to access versus they made <laughs> uh janae a little bit more but obviously she has more going on than this and this requires right. some setup right, right? Also, the cost to play this is the amount of curses you want to put on it. So if you want to put like five That's curses on it, thing. it costs five. Right. So... If you want to put eight curses on it, it costs eight yeah that's brutal <laughs> and that's brutal at like like eight experience and eight dollars to put this down terrible i never do that for experience maybe just to try it out i don't know yeah <laughs> still I, probably not whenever but... <laughs> whenever i look at the art and food of the outer gods i think it's like a nose sticking out of like a, a, a trent or something like i always think like yeah. oh look, look at that thing's nose <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, it looks like some like god threw it down into the yeah tree i mean that's that's definitely what it was that's definitely what it's going for but i still i still, yeah, <laughs> I still yeah. get a much funnier picture when i look at it yeah i i, I don't know if I'll, i don't know if that's enough to make me try it i guess i haven't done too many curse decks so maybe if i do like a mystic curse deck or something or maybe i could give it a spin but curses are pretty fun yeah uh no i i've uh some of the friends i played with tried them out um and they seem pretty fun but um yeah, yeah. as i said i've been on a blessed kick lately that i got to get off of because that's also <laughs> it's also a little too good <laughs> um Fair. so uh prophecy profana uh has been nerfed a little bit in that it only applies to the first aoo that you trigger instead of it just ignoring all aoos when you play. yes so this is a card that uh you like you pick a location as long as you're not that location you could ignore aos yeah um and that was absurdly good so this yep. like, makes sense and it's totally reasonable <laughs> and you still get yeah. the uh, like a janae sort of card right this is like the end game like this feels great to play yeah even at my experience so it uh it still gives you plus one int plus one agility basically all the time so it's just the aoo thing right. which was a little which was a little much because you could just and the teleport thing uh, like a teleport yeah there's a teleport thing that costs like an action that's a little bit harder yeah. to use cause it's a little more stereo smith snake scenario specific um so but uh yeah still, still solid still a fun card um but yeah reasonable, reasonable nerf there uh black market is now max once per round um <laughs> i didn't understand what this the, this change was but dana you were saying that there was some elaborate windy deck that abuses the hell out of this card did, did, can you try to summarize yeah. that <laughs> what, so what that was of the cast and and person who hangs out in a lot of different discords and is a big part of the uh, Arkham DB community, Chi Rubami, maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong, but also Tofu, I know them as Tofu, made this wild deck that's called Daredevil Darling. Check it out on Arkham DB. All of their decks have fantastic write ups. And this specific deck abuses Wendy's amulet in some way, again, surprise, and uh, finds ways to like infinitely reveal every player's deck with black markets that are looped in succession. 
quote from the from the actual site but that's that's the what it can do i guess and there's there's like whole there's uh, hurdles to jump over and things like that but once you get there it's like without this clause you just be able to look at everybody's deck and everybody would play everything all the time probably good that this changed but i know that they were very upset about that so <laughs> yeah so yeah. this seems like a targeted specifically to stop <laughs> uh complete nonsense decks but otherwise like if you're playing it normally it probably doesn't matter to you right so right. That, that's reasonable i mean that's what a lot of the cards that we see on here sometimes are oh somebody made a absurd broken deck you know let's nerf it <laughs> so yep. uh eon chart now only works on basic actions um mm, yeah that's right i guess that just makes it a little bit lower power definitely yeah yeah it, it's either you can evade you can move or you can or take a move action take a evade action yeah. or something so, else so you can't but... play cards that let you do an evade or investigate instead with that action exactly. or, or trigger an asset or whatever which is definitely a because it basically gave you free actions so that's definitely a down uh, a lowering of the power curve but you can still do right. you can still do move actions with it and you can still do like basic investigates yeah. basic invades so and you can trigger yeah, stuff off yeah. of those investigates and invades still too so exactly Re- reasonable yeah. I think that's fine yeah reasonable yeah i don't think it makes it unplayable or anything i think it's still still actually it's, solid. it's really funny because up until this next card all of the cards that have been hit by nerfs have been seeker cards and all of the c- cards that have gotten buffs are non-seeker cards um... and i feel like dan will be mentioning something about that <laughs> and something about like us being biased versus seeker cards and yes that is they're, the case also there <laughs> i mean the secret cards are usually uh this is all justified i think for the most, for the most part all seems reasonable so far uh next card is cyclopean hammer uh finally so this this was a very powerful card because you could every time you succeeded by three or more which you usually did because it gives you a giant bonus uh, to your attack uh at least you right? add your will to your fight right and it doesn't also have a does it have a base plus fight i don't remember but um yeah it, it made it so you could do a big high damage attack and especially on like standard or easy you you usually succeed you'd get to do two extra damage and move the enemy up to two, an enemy up to two locations away from you so you could knock something away from you and deal with it later if it didn't just straight up die now now it exhausts so you can only do that once per turn which is still strong and i think you, you can still attack with it and deal two damage with it um yep. So that's pretty reasonable. I think that's fine. It turns off the nonsense a little bit uh, that you could do with it. Like you could whack three enemies across the map or whatever. But uh, yeah, totally. St- still everybody was good. Yeah. clamoring for this, right? Yeah. It, like everybody knew that this card was ridiculously uh, overpowered it, and anybody who could take it would take it. Yeah, so, it, it was yeah, definitely way too good before. Now it's, I think, more in line with other other five XP weapons. Or yeah. it's only four XP. No, it's five. No, it's five. I, I yeah. mean, the other thing is it, it's also uh, multi-class, right? I uh, didn't pull it up. It's it's yeah. Guardian Mystic, so like Gloria could take it, you know. Uh, <laughs> it could a... still be at a base seven fighting yeah. with it. So, so I mean that was another issue. I think is that because it wasn't just Guardian, it was it gave Mystic a ridiculous option. They didn't need to build anything to, which Mystics usually need right. to set up their uh, tableau a bit to to do stuff. And this kind of just like I don't know, so just have to play as one card. So, slam the hammer down and get to go to town. But yeah. So the last two things that got mutated were actually not things; they were people. They were investigators. Uh, Mandy Thompson, seeker extraordinaire, really good at researching. Now has a deck size of fifty and always has to put three copies of occult evidence in her deck. No longer can you do thirty card or forty card Mandy. You have to do fifty cards. This is definitely a nerf to her because have she had access to going through her deck so quickly. 
and just re-triggering stuff constantly every turn with the 30 card or even the 40 card deck she was very powerful and i think at the 50 cards i think she's still a seeker she can still draw through her deck with her ability in an accelerated rate but it's been toned down a bit um so i think yeah. this will put her maybe she's probably not top tier seeker anymore but still a seeker she'll, <laughs> she'll still be fine you know um and this will encourage you to maybe do uh, a little bit more wacky deck building which i know there were folks that already did 50 card mandy's put a bunch of nonsense cards in there yeah 75 card mandy's so (laughs) this will be encouraged that from other people that want to try mandy to not just stick with the 30 cards and branch out a little bit more so that could be fun yeah again this is fairly justified (laughs) yeah i want to say maxine jeremy everybody who was involved in this thank you (laughs) yeah uh this is all this is all good stuff um there is one investigator which i'm not allowed to mention their name that didn't make this list because if I do, Dan will send a, a a Google drone or something to destroy my destroy my house. <laughs> so I can't mention that. But every, everything else makes sense. Um, right. Yeah, we won't we won't mention anyone that line, line, rhymes with Lark that probably should be on here too. But you know, it's fine. Uh, but there is one more investigator on here that got buffed again. I would say long overdue. Bola, hey Hayes, hey. the actress. Uh, she she's I, I think this is a straight up buff. I don't know if anyone's arguing it's not. Both her, she was given an extra ability on her card, effectively, which is she, as an action, she can switch roles and it doesn't provoke IOOs. So it prevents her from getting like stuck in a role completely, which previously she could after drawing her weakness. If she drew it at a bad time, it could like lock her into a role and then she'd be totally shut down. Let's see, this also says it puts her additional setup, it just puts her additional setup that was on the front of her card in the back, which mm-hmm. was like, yep. she gets to choose a role at the beginning of the game. Additionally, Crisis of Identity was rewritten. Now it is discard one card in your hand or play area of your current role and then discard the top part of your deck and switch your role to that to that discarded card so previously it was discard all all cards you control of your current role so i mean there was <laughs> real bad so you were forced you were forced to play around the crisis of identity which right. uh i mean i know some folks really did enjoy that aspect because you could really do some nonsense while like keeping track of when the fast trick windows are to like strategically switch and be protected and switch or switch yeah. into a role you're not currently but that that is still it was still it was a big uh it still limited her a little bit in like what her deck building or her play style because you just you had to play around that and i guess you know i, I guess i haven't played loa um when he must have come out originally i i might not have ever played though i think we made colin play it play her no i played her i played her at least once but but uh yeah she, it, it just felt it, she felt very restrictive um you could do some nonsense but you had to do some specific nonsense and now now you can still play around it um because you do still have to discard something but uh, it's not as much like you could just have a card in your hand that matches your current role and be protected against it and not not have your 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 tableau destroyed or anything or or just have a an asset without a, with that's run out of charges or whatever so this is much yeah. less punishing i guess if you are strategically playing so you're never in the role that that could hurt you if you draw a crisis now it does force you to um i know i guess it doesn't i thought it always made you discard one card but i guess it doesn't yeah that's the big thing so yeah, you mentioned like, if anybody's been upset about it <clears throat> and i i definitely have heard that some are saying that this is worse if you do know how to play Lola because of that reason, because people are just like kind of used to switching and being in safety mode. This says discard one card in your hand or play area. And the other one just says discards all the cards you control. So if you are in safe mode with, when you draw the old weakness, then technically you might not even have to discard cards that you control. Right. Like 
there might not be any cards of whatever class you just switched so, into, so they might just do nothing. Yeah, previous, but yeah. will pretty much always do something, I think. Yeah, you're right, right. So previously it was cards you control, which, because it doesn't... You control the cards in your hand, but they're not in play, so it only affects cards in play. So right. now it could make you discard a card from your hand where it couldn't before. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so it is a little bit of a nerf in that play style, as if you were if you were very good at playing Lola and controlling what role you're in, so that it never could hurt your your tableau state. Then now it's a little bit scarier in that respect. So that, yeah, that makes sense there. But I think this does. I mean, even just discarding one card from your hand isn't terrible usually. Um, I mean, it's it's sad. You don't want to discard cards in your hand, but it's not that bad. I think this lowers the. The skill ceiling a bit, or the skill floor actually on on low on Lola a bit to make her more accessible, which I think is yeah. good. And totally. I I I now have her on my list of like in one of my next campaigns I want to play her. I'm trying to totally. knock out all the Scarlet Keys investigators first, but I think I'll once I finally get Amina in, I've gotten the rest stud. Um, I'll probably yeah. try to do Lola. Yeah, I guess the Crisis Day was just, it was too scary for me. Some people had were, were more courageous and, and played Lola, but it, w- it was not me. Now that she's a little bit less scary, I'll probably give her a try. So Yeah, same. I'm excited. Anything that makes investigators a little bit more accessible is cool. So I'm definitely going to be trying Lola, or somebody in my playgroup is also going to be trying Lola. And I will report back with how that works. I think we're overdue for maybe a tier list update at some point. <laughs> and I'm wondering if this will shake that up. Uh, definitely will for Mandy, but you know. Yeah, I'm sure we'll update the tier list at some point. You know, it's a big commitment, though. It might not be till next year. <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see what we uh what we get a chance to talk about. But uh, that 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 was all I had for taboo and FAQ and and, and Arkham news. Uh, so why don't you take us out, Dana? And that's the news. <laughs> so what is everybody's thoughts on Maxine leaving in the new area era of Duke and Nick? I'm pretty excited. What are y'all most excited about in this taboo update? Let us know, leave us a comment, or email us at comments at mur.fm. Also, since this is going to be the last episode of the 2022 year, we wanted to thank you for listening and being a part of this fantastic community. Feels like it's always growing, even still. New boxes coming out, people joining, asking questions. We're all we're always excited to see what the new year brings, and we're excited for what next year brings and what two new developers bring to this game. So thank you. And as always, stay current on what we're doing. Follow us on social networks, including Instagram and Twitch, Discord server to hang out with us. You can find the links to all these at social.mur.fm. And if you really enjoy what we do, we always appreciate a nice review on your favorite podcast source. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next year. Thanks, everybody. And I'm sure thanks from Dan and Harrison as well. Catch you next year. Bye-bye.